Welcome back. Quick note, whatever listening platform you are on right now, if you can go give the show a five-star rating, that would be amazing. Help out with the algorithms real quick. So getting into the show, today I talk with Bruce Stevenson. Bruce is a native of Greenville, South Carolina, but I did not know Bruce growing up. And recently, a friend of ours reached out and said, hey, there's this guy named Bruce on a new Netflix show called 20-somethings. And right away, I was like, man, I hope this guy represents him well. I hope he represents the community well. And after Ben's watching the show with my fiance, I will say Bruce could not have represented himself better. Um, his community, his values, really the person he is. And I thought he did an amazing job. So right then I knew I wanted to have him on the podcast, reached out to him and we linked up and we had an amazing conversation. And we didn't just talk about uh, the show, 20 somethings. We talked about life and how he grew up. Um, and there's some challenging times in there that, you know, he was very open about. So um, I think you'll enjoy the show and really get to know Bruce, you know, off the screen as well, uh, which I've enjoyed getting to know. So um, before we start the episode, we got to talk about Engineered Sleep. Engineered Sleep has been an amazing partner of the show. And as we all know, sleep is the number one thing we can all focus on. We all do it and we can all focus on it and we can probably all do it better. And it really can start with your mattress. And if you're getting good sleep, that means on a daily basis, you're going to be living a more productive lifestyle. So reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep. You can either go to their website at engineeredsleep.com and use promo code LIVE10 or go visit them in their showroom in Greenville, South Carolina. Mention the podcast, use promo code LIVE10. You'll get 10% off your order. So engineeredsleep.com, use promo code LIVE10, get 10% off your order, but most importantly, start sleeping better and start performing better. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Bruce Stevenson. Welcome to Live Life in Motion where the goal is to bring you conversations that give you the power of education so you can use those tools to optimize your life on a personal and professional level to better yourself, your community, and those around you. Bruce, fellow Greenville High, Greenville native, man. Thank you so much for coming on. What's up? What's going on? Dude, what's up? Let's go, baby. I'm I'm glad to be here. Appreciate Uh you reaching out. So before you know you got here and we started chatting, I had an idea of where this conversation might go. Okay. And it's about the Netflix show 20 somethings, <laughs> which is, you know, definitely a great chapter in your life, but now I kind of want to dive back into who you are as a person. Let's do it. And from the show, I was taken away by the values you showed on the show. Um is that something that you think was instilled in you as a child, like growing up in Greenville from your parents? Where do you think you got those values from? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in, in Greenville, South Carolina, you've got, you know, the uh, the charm, the Southern charm <laughs> of, of, being, of being from a small town. But, you know, I was really fortunate and blessed to be born into a household um, where I've got, you know, a loving mother, a father. I've got two older siblings. Um, but my parents really allowed me to pursue my passions, you know, whether that be baseball or theater. Um, you know, I was a, I was a theater kid growing up, but I also played sports. So it was a weird dynamic that not a lot of my friends got. Um, and I definitely received a little bit of, a little bit of hate here and there in really? middle school because they're like, oh, you do theater? Like, you're weird. And I'm like, 
yeah, but I love it. So I'm going to keep doing it. Like I didn't really care that people didn't, you know, appreciate it at the time because, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to both my parents and then, you know, my directors and my coaches Mm -hmm. for really instilling a lot of, uh, you know, just beliefs in me, um, and understanding. And it's just, it's crazy the amount of influence, influential people, um, that I have in my life. And I'm very fortunate for that, whether that be my, my mentors, you know? So it's just really cool that I, that I come from where I come from and, um, definitely just credit my mom and my dad for, you know, allowing me to go do what I want to do, you know, theater. Yeah. So were you like performing, singing? Yeah. I mean, all the above. I started, uh, I started taking classes at the South Carolina children's theater when I was maybe four or five. Um, and so I've got photos from when I was like, you know, a a whopping three foot tall, you know, in costumes on stage doing stuff, but I did it all the way through high school. You know, my last, uh, last show I was in, um, I was a senior in high school and I kind of put it all, all that on the back burner when I went to pursue my marketing degree at Clemson university. And, uh, you know, I just, it, it still hasn't left my heart. Like, you know, I, I still love theater. I'm actually, I volunteer weekly there now. So actually Thursday afternoons, I'm currently teaching a on-screen acting class. I'm, <laughs> I'm assisting, I'm assisting in that. So even though I'm not currently on stage, I still stay very involved with that community. And it's awesome giving back to, you know, younger kids who are now in middle school and high school, but it's crazy. Cause that's where I was, you know, eight, mm-hmm. nine, 10 years ago. So it's, it's kind of like looking back at, at where I was and, hoping that I can make a difference in their lives. What do you think is misunderstood about kids in theater, theater kids in general? Yeah, I think um, that's a big misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's a very underappreciated art form, which, you know, I, growing up, I was so involved that it was never misunderstood to me. It was Mm -hmm. always just a passion. It's where I found my friends. I found my sense of community. I felt loved. And I think, you know, a big misunderstanding is people need to realize that we live in such a diverse world now and Mm -hmm. there's so many different people on these different walks of lives. And like, you know, whether you're into basketball, football, sports, theater, maybe you like to paint, maybe you like to draw, (laughs) I don't care what you like to do, but it's like, you know, we are all pursuing these passions and like, just because you're pursuing a different passion that may, maybe isn't quote unquote mainstream or the most popular thing, you still deserve the respect that you know, the starting quarterback at the high school gets or uh, the kid that, you know, hits the walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I can, I can say that because I played sports. So I've, I've seen both ends of, of the totem pole. You know, yeah. I would say a lot of my highest points come from playing sports. A lot of my highest points come from doing theater. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my lows also come from both sports and theater. I don't know if that makes sense. No, man. But I've seen I've seen the positives and the negatives of both of those lifestyles, and I understand the mentalities that a lot of those athletes and thespians have. Mm-hmm. So it gives me the ability to feel for you know both demographics. It's a really unique combination, and yeah. probably one I, you don't hear a lot of. Yeah, you um, don't. and I have gained a different perspective or respect for theater because my fiance she grew up as a theater kid that's awesome she took theater classes she went to clemson for the theater school yeah um do you remember growing up going to the peace center and like watching the shows because we're lucky to have the peace center i think yeah and people i think that's awesome yeah i mean i grew up going to the peace center i think uh when i was doing stuff at the children's theater we were actually performing at the gunter theater which Mm -hmm. is connected to the peace center um but yeah i mean my mom got me really involved with theater at a young age 
Um, I think my first big Broadway show I saw in Greenville was Wicked. And that's nice. like, it's cra- I have a really crazy story attached to uh, going to see Wicked. Like, What happened? Dude, oh my gosh. It was a- <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do, so, man? It was, so it was my first time going to like a Broadway show. My mom paid a lot of money for these tickets. Oh yeah. Like tons of money. They're a lot, Wicked, they're expensive. Wicked was massive. It was like the musical to see at the time. And my mom was like, you, you know, I want to, it was like an investment into my dreams, you know, her buying these tickets. It was like, so I could really see it in front of me, what I was possibly capable of accomplishing. So she wanted to invest in me and, and take me to the show. And, uh, she got like third row seats from the stage. Like we were so close. You could see the actors sweating. Like it was like, <laughs> it was sick. I was like, let's go. And, uh, you know, we go to intermission and I'm in middle school. My mom's like, all right, Hey, like make sure you go to the bathroom. You know, I don't want to get up during the second act. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got some M&Ms. I went to the bathroom. Like, I'm good to go. I'm like, yo, I'm pumped for, for act two. And so we get back in our seats. We're settled in. And, uh, you know, first song of the second act comes on. I can't even tell you what it is, but it's like, you know, it's all it's awestruck. You know, we're all sitting there like, wow, this is amazing. All of a sudden, like, my right, my right peripheral vision, I see, like, some kid or adult get up. And I like look over to my right and there's a, a, a large child, like, I guess barreling down our row. Like, like, I'm like, what is this kid doing? Like the act just started. Like, are you serious? He's interrupting everybody, like running in front of everybody. And, uh, I'm like, he could have at least taken the aisle that's closest to him, but he's crossing right in front of us. And it looked like he had to go to the bathroom really bad. So, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, I'm going to sit back move my legs out of the way and, and let the kid get on. No, he decided to stop right in front of me projectile vomited oh my God. all over me and my mom and then he like got it on the lady who was sitting in front of me and i was just like what just happened <laughs> oh like so it was crazy um the, the kid definitely had mcdonald's before he went to seriously wicked so I, I i love mcdonald's um but i still I, I love that story i think it's hilarious because my mom i looked at my mom and she looks at me and she goes you're not moving. I said, I said, I said, what? She said, I paid too much money for these tickets. Take your shirt off. Mm-hmm. You're sitting right there the rest of the act. <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like what? <laughs> so I had like a button down on, I unbuttoned my shirt and took it off and like wiped off my pants. Oh I my had goodness. Like McDonald's French fries all over me. And um, you were in middle school? Middle, I think I was in either, either fifth or sixth grade. It was one of those two years. I can't remember. I was, I, w- I wasn't old enough to drive. I hadn't hit puberty yet. I was still getting rides from my mom and dad everywhere I went. Um, but man, I remember sitting there and just like, I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Wow. So my first Broadway production, I get thrown up on. And then I was forced to just sit there the rest of the show. It was a great show. You know, Wicked, it was, it was amazing. Uh, the Peace Center, you know, never comped us for our tickets or anything, even though we tried. But, you know, it's not on them. So it was a, it was a, it was an experience. I love telling people that story because like you right now, your reaction is it like, It is absurd. What? I had no idea. I mean, you said, I was like, oh, this guy's going to like, I don't know, run into a lady or knock <laughs> somebody over or something. So I like leave the, I leave the second act and the show's over mm-hmm. and I'm just walking through the lobby, you know, like fifth or sixth, year old, sixth grade me and I've got my shirt over my shoulder, shirtless. It's probably smelling like throw up. Yeah. People are probably like, what the heck happened to this kid? I'm like, yeah, you, you do not want to know. <laughs> no idea. Welcome to the first show at the Peace Center. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With uh, You mentioned your mom. Yeah. And uh, you come from a divorced family. Do, do you remember when they 
Were they together when you were born? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love my family very much so. Um, you know, I want to start off by saying that. I, I think it's a beautiful thing um, that I come from an amazing family that I do. My family got, my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade. So, okay. um, personally for me, that was a very tough time. I know divorce is tough for a lot of families and there are a lot of kids out there and families mm-hmm. that can be torn apart. Um, my parents have done an amazing job co-parenting. Um, and I think that is a, a blessing. Um, you know, I, I look at it, I'm a half class school kind of guy. So when people ask me like, yo, like how is it having divorced parents? I have this really weird perspective on divorced parents. And it took me a really long time to, to really grasp and embrace, but I really think it's, it's become a beautiful thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was able to grow up a little faster um, you know, it, it, the initial news sucks. I think any kid out there who has divorced parents, you know, you go through a roller coaster of emotions. And if, if I told you that, you know, it wasn't tough, I'd be lying. Um, but it's, it's really a beautiful thing because you, you learn what it means to value relationships even more. Because I think for me, happening in seventh grade, I kind of shied away in middle school, high school from pursuing women because I didn't really know what a healthy functioning relationship mm-hmm. looked like in a household. Um, you know, unfortunately I had that taken away from me when my parents did, did get divorced. Um, so I really focused in as I was maturing through high school and even my like first year or two of college before I really got my first serious girlfriend because I didn't want to pursue a woman without knowing like a plan of action or a yeah. plan of like what that looked like to, to maturely love another, another woman, another person. So, um, it was, you know, divorced parents, it it sucks. Um, but it's become so common and I think it's a, it's a bond that you can share with other people. And, um, it's definitely a tough, tough chapter in life that you can, uh, you can get through. So, well, the thing is, as you mentioned, as a glass half full kind of guy, like you took that and said, Hey, this is something I can bond with, with others. Like this is a connecting, this connects, like you said, it connects you to so many people that maybe didn't have the experience you had of a positive parent, like co-parenting. Yeah. But Hey, but you can bond with them through those tough times. Cause like you said, I mean, you'd be lying if it wasn't tough. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, man, it could have made you a, a better person, right? Having to grow up earlier. Yeah. And go through those things. And I and I, I really do believe it, it it made me a better person because, I mean, it, it just kind of, I don't really know if you can put yourself in those shoes, but it's like seventh grade middle school wasn't necessarily my favorite time in life. It was, <laughs> I remember I did theater, so a lot of kids didn't really respect that. So I would say that I was at the bottom of the totem pole, definitely got bullied a little bit for, for doing what I did. But um, on top of that, having the divorced parents, I was dealing with a lot of stuff at school and then on top of that, a lot of stuff at home. Um, so it was, it was mentally tough, but I would, you know, I would, I would credit a lot of my success today, um, to the hard times that I went through, sure. you know, in middle school and in high school. I know I, I can't think of the saying off the top of my head, but it's about going through tough times. Just yeah. make you R- hey, the, the roughest seas make the best sailors. <laughs> there you I, go. That's my, that's one of my favorite quotes. So where'd you go to middle school? I went to Hughes Academy. So uh, me too. <laughs> right, come on. Let's go. Oh yeah. Come on. Um, when'd you get into baseball? Man, so I, I so I got into baseball when I was in second grade. So like a little bit older than most kids, I think. Um, I definitely tried out T-ball when I was younger. 
um, got out of it. I remember there was one time where I like I got hit by a pitch or something. When I was like five, and I quit. <laughs> I quit baseball on the spot, and I looked at my dad. I said, "I'm never playing baseball again. I only want to go bowling." <laughs> and he was like, "What?" And I'm like, "I only want to go bowling." <laughs> And I, I'm not even that good at bowling. I guess that was just my like little kid like temper tantrum. But um, I did get back into baseball. Um, you know, I think my, my greatest strengths in baseball was my speed. I'm still really fast. Um, so as I got older, I was I was big into bunting. You know, hit a ground ball, run it out to first base. Sure. Was, was never a power guy. Um, what, certainly wasn't even the best baseball player either. Like I, I tell people that today. I go, you know. I was a hell of an athlete in high school. I still, I still am. I'll brag about myself. I am, I am one hell of an athlete. <laughs> nice. um, and I, I, I love that about myself because I can, I can go throw a football. I can throw a baseball. Mm-hmm. I can do everyday activities that they're like, oh, that kid definitely played sports. Yeah, you yeah. know, get a little braggadocious. But when it came down to baseball, yo, know, I was not the best player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I showed up for my team. I was a team player. I definitely um, boosted the morale in the clubhouse when, when times were needed. Um, if, if my coach needed me to get hit by a pitch, I'd get hit by a pitch. If he needed, if he lean needed, into one real quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Le- hey, lean into one. I said, I got you, baby. Let's go. Like, if you need me to lay down a bunt, you know, make a play, I got you. Um, but you know, I never had a, I never had a future in baseball in terms of collegiately. Um, I think had I wanted to pursue a sport, um, which I honestly, if I can go back, I probably would have like ran track or something mm-hmm. because you know, I think I played baseball just because I was stuck in that rotation from like elementary school, yeah. middle school to like, oh yeah, I played probably, baseball. Probably your friends school. were there. Exactly. Like all my friends played baseball. So I'm, I'm going to keep playing baseball. But part of me really wishes that I had, you know, pursued track and field mm-hmm. or something because I feel like I, I could have been able to maybe express my athletic abilities a little <laughs> bit more um, and seen where that had taken me. But you know what? Looking back, I wouldn't play my cards any differently because I, I love where I am now. So. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, I yeah. think like, to relate with you a bit on that, I look back and I'm like, man, I should have pursued baseball more, <laughs> but then I pursued soccer. So okay. like, I mean, they were both great. You know what I mean? Looking yeah. back at it and a kid that it grows up in either theater or sports or around that community, I feel like it's such a growing opportunity yeah. for those people. Like, cause you can be coachable, right? You got to get along with your teammates. You have to bring the morale up, right? You can be the leader. You can lead by example. Yeah. These are all life lessons that I feel like, you get from these childhood sports. hundred percent. I mean, so, and for you, like what baseball and soccer, was that the same season? Yeah. So that's why I stopped. So you had to choose. That's, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Like you're like, Oh shoot, what do I do? So you made an executive decision yeah. to be like, you know, I'll see you later baseball. Boom. Soccer. Let's go. So uh, my last baseball season was Hughes eighth grade year. Come on. Okay. <laughs> hey, that was, that was, I played, hey, I'm, I'm a Hughes alum. Seventh grade baseball. Let's go. Yeah, man. And uh, so you said, you know, going into college, you probably didn't, couldn't pursue at least, a, you know, the Clemson level yeah. baseball, right? Yeah. Um, did you think about going to different schools or was Clemson kind of, you were always going to Clemson or had that? Yeah. Happen? I mean, it's crazy. I grew up a University of South Carolina fan. That's where I went to school. Okay, come on. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm a tiger. I'm a tiger. You're a gamecock. Let's go. Um, we can bond. Though. Yeah, we can bond. So I grew up with like the the Alshon Jeffries, the the Stephen Garcia, yeah. Marcus Lattimore. You know, I grew up watching Carolina football with my dad and um, my brother and my sister. And so like I was big in South Carolina. But I think by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I had really made up my mind after going to visit it for a couple football games. I was like, I could not see myself 
No offense, <laughs> going to school at the University of South Carolina. Um, and I grew up all through middle school and high school going to Clemson baseball camp every summer. Oh, nice. And so Clemson baseball camp was a, was a great part of my childhood experience. And um, the number one thing I looked forward to every summer mm-hmm. was going to camp for a week or two and you know staying on campus, eating at the mess hall, and then walking to the stadium and playing baseball all day. So I think by the time I was like a freshman or sophomore, I knew I wanted to go to Clemson. Nice. Um, I think at that point. That's unique too. Yeah. At that point, it was like, all right, can you can can you get the grades to get in? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. It's a, it's a tough school. It's a very tough school to get into. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's kind of where I was, and uh, yeah, I mean, I ended up getting into Clemson, and boom, like dreams come true. I went there to just pursue a degree, and exciting stuff. Well, the thing is too, like we mentioned earlier, you loved like. Even maybe you weren't the best, but you loved baseball. Yeah. And you mentioned to me before we started recording that you got an opportunity to leave school a semester early to get back into baseball. Yeah. Right? Move to Atlanta and work for the Braves, baby. Dude, (laughs) my my favorite baseball team, man. That was a dream come true. I, uh, yeah, so I was a marketing major at Clemson. I'm in my last year, you know. Easy, your last year is your easiest. I don't care what people tell you. Cruising. I, I think I think my last my last year I didn't go to school on Fridays or Mondays, so I had four day weekends. Mm-hmm. I'd go out on Thursday night, you know, wake up Friday, go to the gym, kind of just enjoy my weekend, go to the lake, you know, I go hiking. I'm really big into being outdoors. Um, then I got an opportunity to be a part of the Atlanta Braves trainee program, which is a highly renowned trainee program. Um, in professional sports and you know the Braves born and raised I was born and raised a Braves fan like Andrew Jones Chipper Jones guy. dude Andrew Jones is my guy growing up like from one outfielder to another I was like yo I want to be like Andrew Jones when I grew up did I ever grow up to be like Andrew Jones no but that's okay so um, I'm trying to get him on the podcast by dude, the way I'm sure, now he's, he's got a son he's you know, going to Vandy Drew Jones going to Vandy I've been yeah. following him for a minute he's a, he's a stud he is he is a stud Um, so I made the executive decision to leave Clemson a semester early. Um, I was pursuing a minor in music history, believe it or not, I was taking a lot of music courses. So I totally just was like, all right, I'll just take my marketing degree. I don't need a minor in music history. And, uh, I moved to Atlanta at the beginning of 2020 and (laughs) good time to move, right? Great, great, (laughs) great time to pursue a job in professional sports. 2020. Oh, shut it down. Let's, let's talk, let's talk about that. (laughs) Um, little did I know a global pandemic would, would strike two and a half months later. And I'd basically lose my job six months later. Um, and my dreams of working for the Braves and in professional sports, like came to a very, just a huge stop. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, it really sucked because I didn't qualify for unemployment because I hadn't had work prior work history in 2019. So it was like, all right, what am I going to do for my rent? And what am I going to do mm-hmm. for, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. No one's hiring. Um, so I moved back to Greenville, South Carolina, where I pursued a, a second career in selling home auto and commercial insurance for my dad's insurance company here yep. in Greenville. Um, fortunately, I've been licensed since I was 18 years old. And so it was very easy for me to move into that profession and um, just learn a lot and you know figure out if that's something I wanted to do where'd you live in Atlanta I lived in Atlanta my first two years out of college okay so I lived in Smyrna so all right right outside the Braves Stadium yeah. <clears throat> Cobb County easy um, commute for you very easy commute I walked to work it was beautiful <laughs> it was amazing so um, I still got a lot of friends down there too so I'm down in Atlanta probably once or twice a month visiting mm-hmm. my buddies because you know when I picked up my life I, I moved to Atlanta to pursue 
my profession. And yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to start my life here. I'm going to make as many friends as I can. So luckily, you know, I made a ton of friends and I got to quarantine with all of them for about two and a half, three months before I decided to move back home. So like when I tell you, I have like a beautifully diverse friend group in Atlanta. Um, I'm 24 now, so I'm the youngest of our friend group actually. I think the oldest person in our group is like 32. So like when it comes to, you know, hanging out, kicking it, going to grab meals, going to grab drinks, you know, we have a, an amazing group of friends. It's probably about 20 of us. Dang, and that's mon- nice. Oh yeah, Monday through Friday, um, people are always down. Like, yo, who wants to go grab dinner? Who wants to grab lunch? You know, I've had a bad day. Who wants to go mm-hmm. grab a drink and talk about, you know, your feelings, life, man. feelings? <laughs> you know, there's, there's always a girl or a guy down to kick it. So I'm very fortunate for those people in Atlanta. Um, I love them all with, you know, all my heart. They played a huge role in my life in the last two years. And uh, I think we're going to be friends for life. So there you go, man. Yeah. And uh, I think quarantine in a way, if you want to be the glass half full, right? Yeah. It brought a lot of people closer. It did. It um, did. With, uh, all right. So. Fast forward, I don't know, probably a couple weeks. Somehow, you get an opportunity for a Netflix show. Crazy. And, uh, I mean, so that's how I found you. And, dude, once I, like, saw you on the show, uh, I was like, holy shit, we went to the same high school. Like, <laughs> he, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But how did that opportunity come about? Yeah, man. So, it was wild. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure most people listening to this have Instagram. Like, yes. Social media is a huge thing. Like, I can't... We, I, I guess I can just assume. Like, is that, is that, we, we, first world problems. We all have Instagram. I can only assume. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm one night, I'm, I'm laying on my couch watching TV. I'm probably watching like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Breaking Bad or like one of my favorite TV shows. And I'm just scrolling on Instagram and I had a direct message in my inbox and it was a requested direct message. So it's one of those spam folders. Yeah. Like it, you know, it filters everything out. And um, it was this like spam looking message from a guy in LA. And he's like, hey, I'm casting for a new Netflix reality TV show. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And I like, <laughs> I literally motioned on my screen to delete it. Like, you know, swipe left, click delete. It had been gone forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I'll tell you what it was. But I decided to just click it read it and he was wanted to set up a time to talk and I said okay like let's do it and so I hopped on a phone call with the guy the next day um it was on my lunch break I'm headed to go get lunch and we had like a 45 minute conversation and he was just like I was telling him like about my life like who I was what I do um I told him that I had recently lost my job you know to the pandemic and um you know I was kind of like living life in limbo trying to figure out what I truly wanted to do what I was truly passionate about and he said, well, this is an opportunity to move to Texas, move to Austin and kind of rediscover who you are and what you want to do. I said, sounds cool. I like to travel. Let's, let's move to Austin. <laughs> so um, after about three, three and a half months of interviewing with multiple people from, you know, Netflix down, it was uh, decided. <laughs> they were like, hey, you're coming to Austin. I said, let's go. So um, they actually told me less than 12 hours before we started filming that I was going to be moving there. Wow. So, I was at work selling insurance for my dad's insurance company here in Greenville. Um, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and I got a phone call. They say, Hey, how fast can you get to Austin? I said, uh, I don't know. Like why? Like they're like, well, you're going to be on the show. Like we, we need to book you a flight now. I said, I got to like quit my job and I've got to like pack my bags. They go, okay, well we're looking at a flight tonight for you at seven thirty. You think wow. you can make that? I said, and it's out of GSP, which is the Greenville Spartanburg Airport, very tiny. I'm like, 
yeah, I might be able to make that. Like, probably not. Let's just book it tomorrow, like tomorrow morning. And it'll give me some time to say bye to my mom and my dad because I don't know how long I'm going to be gone for. And, that is wow. Um, crazy. So I basically, they were like, all right, we'll, we'll just book you tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, cool. I'm going to go to the gym, get some excitement. Obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm quitting my job. I'm like, I'll see you later, dad. Like, <laughs> I love you. But, you know, this, op- this opportunity of a lifetime um, so I'm at the gym. It's probably like 5.15, 5.45 at this time. And I'm like mid-sweat, mid-pump. I got some awesome music going because I'm like living life on a high right now. I'm stoked. And um, the young lady calls me back from Netflix. She goes, hey, um, we actually can't wait to fly you out. So we're going to fly out tonight at, at 6.30. Is that okay? I said, that's in like an hour. <laughs> or What? She was like, yeah, go pack your bag. And I said, oh my gosh. So I, I ran her, I hopped in my car. Wow. I'm like leaving the gym. I said, hey, can y'all please cancel my membership? Like, I've got to go. I've got to, I've like literally got to go. I won't be back for a couple going of months. on a show. <laughs> yeah. So I like hop in my car. I go home. My dad is sitting. I was living, at my, living with my dad at the time. He's sitting on the couch. He said, dad, I love you. I need your help right now. Get up and come upstairs. And I'm throwing clothes at my dad. And I'm like, fold this, fold this. Like put it in that suitcase. And I, I got my bags packed super fast, like crazy fast. And I've got a lot of clothes. And um, I hopped in the car. I think he was going like 110 down the interstate to GSP. I make it to the airport. I make it to my gate. Gate closes right in front of my face. I miss my flight. What? <laughs> and I said, what in the world is going on? This is terrible. Um, so I called, I, I called Netflix. I said, hey, y'all are going to hate me. I just missed my flight. They, they were like, what? I go, yeah, y'all only gave me an hour notice. Like, what do you expect? I mean, to like make it? No. So they ended up flying me out the next morning, um, flew to Austin, Texas. And then within two hours of landing in Austin, I got, you know, COVID tested. And then they took me to the house. I got out of the car. And you were there. I was there. Like the cameras were on. Like it was that quick. Wow. Crazy. What was... um. Like, so you said you went through a bunch of interviews for a couple months. Yeah. Were you like, you know, going through the process, like getting into the next stage? I guess you knew you probably had an okay chance. Yeah. I mean, I think so for me, it was, I, and I look back and I say this looking back and <laughs> I was, I was determined to ride the wave until it crashed. I said, you know, I live this like, let's go lifestyle. I, I love saying let's go to things yeah, yeah, because let's go to me means progress. Like if you don't say let's go. And you decide to say no, you're choosing to stay stagnant in the lifestyle Mm -hmm. you're currently in. So I'm like, yo, it's an opportunity. Let's go. Whether I make it or not, I'm going to ride the wave until it crashes. And the wave never crashed. Yeah. Dude, you were young. You had, you don't have a family. You didn't have a wife, man. Like you were almost the perfect uh, person to do that, right? You're like, screw it. I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's the one thing is like, I, I looked at my lifestyle and I was like, I fortunately, currently I've been living with my dad. Um, I don't have rent to pay. I don't have a house that I would need to like, you know, lease or anything or, or rent out to people. So I'm like, yo, like, let's go. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> what, um, what is your description of what 20 somethings was or is? Yeah. So I get this question a lot. Um, 20 somethings to me was just a beautiful opportunity. Um, and you've got eight diverse individuals from mm-hmm. all around the United States with the opportunity to live under one roof. In our case, we had two houses, so two roofs. But yeah. we were essentially together so often um, that I would call it one roof. And it's it's amazing just how different we all were. But you really learn to love and appreciate each other for their differences based on 
you know, how you were raised, where you come from, mm-hmm. you know, what you believe in, whether that be politically, religiously. Um, so I think it's a beautiful message to people watching at home in 2021, 2022, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Yeah. But if you choose to just love each other, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can fully support each other and while I follow my passions and you follow your mm-hmm. passions, I'm going to be here to support you. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I've always had that mindset based on growing up new baseball and theater. I've always had that all inclusive mindset to, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I, I totally just butchered that, but That's you know, golden rule, yeah. golden rule. So, I mean, it's like, you know, treat others with respect. Um, my whole thing is I always say, you know, people will reflect what you project. And I always choose to project as much positivity and light mm-hmm. into, into the room as possible because you know, that's the kind of things that I want to be shown or given to me. So anytime there's an opportunity to lift someone up or love someone, that's just kind of how I, how I am. So, man, that's uh, and for you being 24 and the way you went on to this show and the way you represented yourself, yeah. I was very impressed by, Thank right. You. I mean, I've, I'm 33, so I'm nine years older, but I mean, at first I was like, Oh man, this guy from green was going to be on the show. Hopefully it doesn't like make us look bad. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think you could have done better. Thank like, you. dude, like representing your community, representing your values, you know, the person you are. Um, and the crazy thing is you had a day to really like get your mind right for that. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you, <laughs> so what, so for people that don't know, 20 somethings is also, it's a Netflix show. It is Netflix. Where they bring, like Bruce said, eight individuals from all over the country and they pursue their career. They pursue their passion. They try and get a job in Austin, like pick up and move there for good. And uh, once we started watching it, man, we kind of fell in love with it. Like we probably watched it in a couple days. Wow. Um, do you remember like the first night or like the second day when you did it just like hit you like, holy hell, I'm on the show? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, first off, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate that. Um yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people watch it and they don't realize that they're going to enjoy it as much as they do. And that's the best compliment that I've received is people like, yo, I sat down to watch it, but really fell in love with it mm-hmm. because it's a wholesome show. It's not the drama that you get from a Jersey Shore. Like Dude. you stay for the humble connections and the love and genuine support that we all give each other. And that's truly how we all are in real life, which is beautiful. Um, but I'm sorry, what was your question again? No, like, did it hit you? Did you wake up yeah. one morning and be like, man, like, this is really happening? <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I don't I mean, obviously, I got there and, like, we're all, like, it's shell shocked. Yeah. It's like, that's what we bond over. It's like, all right, once the cameras were off, like, I think we'd all be like, hey, do y'all realize this is our life now? <laughs> and I honestly, like, for me, I never really thought that way. Like, it was an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. amazing experience but I think my whole idea going into it is alright this is either going to be a big hit or a big flop and I'm going to be my authentic self either way because I don't want the you know the publicity the the fame, the fame quote unquote to like go to my head so yep. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be Bruce mm-hmm. um, you know I'm going to love everybody in this house as much as I can because it was like going to college like yeah. it was like your first day at college I think that's what I tell people I'm like you're all so genuinely excited to be there and you want to know, you know, who's who and what, what do you like? What do you like to pursue? And I remember it's like our first interaction on the balcony. You know, we got the guy's balcony and the girl's balcony 
and they don't show this on the show, but we were all talking over each other so much. <laughs> and it wasn't even that we were like being rude. It was just like we were so mm-hmm. invested in wanting to get to know each other. And it was just like, I, and we'd pause and we'd laugh because we're like, yo, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. So like when I went to bed that first night, like I'm, I would be lying if I told you I didn't, I wasn't grinning ear to ear sure. because I'm like, wow, I interviewed for this for like three and a half, four months. I get a call last night, literally a, a day ago, I was in Greenville, South Carolina and I'm in Austin, Texas filming a Netflix reality TV show. <laughs> what the hell? Live Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Engineered Sleep. Engineered Sleep is a mattress manufacturer and they are based out of Greenville, South Carolina. They have been making mattresses for as long as I can remember and their main goal is to make finding the quality mattress for you as easy as possible. Um, They have a showroom in Greenville, but you can also visit them at their website, engineeredsleep.com. If you go to their website, use code LIVE10 and you will get 10% off. As you guys know, sleep is the number one thing you need to focus on for good health. And it all starts with your mattress. So stop putting it on the back burner. Go get yourself a mattress from Engineered Sleep and start living a better life. And what you mentioned too, like the genuine connections y'all had is probably, you're right. That's why we stayed because you think of reality shows like that and you think of the drama and the, you know, the drunken nights and all that stuff. But Netflix, to give them credit, they really did a good job like finding, you know, like-minded people like yourself to bring into a house and like really try and grow themselves and like pursue careers was, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks into the show, you had a really touching moment with uh, Kiki. Yeah, that's my dog. Man, he's the man, bro. <laughs> that's my boy, yeah. Um, and I think that's when I really was like, dude, Bruce is a really good dude. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. His grandmother, Kiki's grandmother passed away, right? Yeah. And you were like consoling him before he went away for a few days. And I think that was one of the best moments of the show. I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and Kiki, man. He's the man. He's a stud. He's he a stud. Is, is he still in Austin? So he's in Texas. I'm not sure where he's at. I don't know if I'm allowed to allowed to ex- oh, expose gotcha. that. Um, you know, but he, me and him stay in touch, you know, just about daily. I'm not going to say daily because that'd be a lie. Um, but <laughs> about every other day we're checking on each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing is that people don't realize like, me and Kiki shared a bathroom. Like we had, we had our own bedrooms. We, we shared a bathroom. So that's why Kiki and I like were forced to, we're forced <laughs> to live together. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. I'm like, yeah. we we're waking up in the morning. You know, me and him were the first two up every morning, and we're drinking our coffee together in the morning. Um, you know, we talk about life, like how how crazy this experience yeah. is. You know, and and we, for people to understand, I mean. You would think y'all come from different worlds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But like y'all were together bonding just like y'all known each other forever. 100%. And I think like th- that's what me and Kiki were like just very attracted to each other because it's like I think we both got it. We both like really understood like I was there obviously to pursue a career in professional sports, something that I had lost during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiki was there to pursue his authentic self. So like we were both there to pursue – things and we were but we we're both just supporting each other and so we're brushing our teeth in the morning and we're talking we're like dude you know what are you doing today oh man i've got an interview today he's like oh i've got a date tonight i'm like yo this is crazy like it's just it's just wild so i mean it's just it's just really cool looking back um because it was like 
the off-camera moments and conversations that were had that weren't shown to viewers, um, you know, that's really how we grew the connections that we did or the connection that me and him had yeah. was just through conversation, like authentic, loving, uplifting conversation. And that was kind of my next question, production. Yeah. Was it always on? Did they, you know, have hours of the day? Like you could be alone from, you know, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. or after 11 yeah, p.m. So or... we, uh, so we would film four days on and two days off. All right. So that's we, pretty good. We would have like two days off, but they were, they were robo cams all throughout the house and they, you never knew when they were on. You never knew when they were off. I personally, I bet they were always on. I, I don't know. So they were cool. always on. They had to have always been. Oh, yeah. They were always on. They wanted to catch the juicy stuff if any juicy stuff happened, I'm sure. Um, but, like, it's like, I think there's a scene in one of the episodes where I'm, like, shirtless, like, shooting my dirty clothes into, like, my laundry basket. I'm like, that's 100% me. I, do, I still do that. I do that every day. I'm like, oh, LeBron, like, Kobe, like, let's go. And uh, so I think that's hilarious because it catches those moments um, that you're not even aware they're capturing until you watch it back. Like, oh, my gosh. They got a video of me doing mm-hmm. that cool and um but we would film four days on two days off the robo cams are always on but then we had a an amazing film crew that would come in around 11 a.m every morning mm-hmm. um and they wouldn't leave us until we got done filming that day around probably nine or ten at night would they have like a schedule for y'all like hey we're gonna go you know y'all do y'all went did y'all go bowling were you there for the bowling i was not there i was gone by then okay but like we're gonna go to dinner here tonight or we're gonna do this tonight so they kind of would set that stuff up for you yeah but they would they would kind of set that up because you have to remember it was covid oh yeah true Um, if we went out in public we had to be very covid cautious got it yeah yeah Um, which you don't see on the show you don't so any extras that were in the show we would be they any extras that showed up to maybe a bar scene or a restaurant scene. <laughs> they were all basically pre-screened with uh-huh. negative COVID tests. They were provided negative COVID tests and a proof of vaccination. Got it. So that was our way, Netflix's way of, you know, saying, hey, we're going to be in this space tonight. Mm-hmm. All the extras are That know, makes are a lot healthy. of sense, yeah. And, you know, fortunately, we had no COVID cases amongst cast or crew during the entire duration of filming, which is amazing. So they did an excellent job with that. They did, man. Because when you watch the show, you would think it's not even during COVID. Exactly. Like, I don't think I saw one mask or anything yeah. like that. They were there. The masks were on when, when the cameras weren't on. So we were very COVID, COVID cautious. But I think it's going to be cool because, like, like, in two years from now, you look back, there's no way of telling that it was filmed no way. during COVID. And you almost forget it is COVID, like yeah. I said. Was your producer a guy named Ian? Yes, Amazing dude. Ian, All right. I yeah. saw you posting about him a little That's bit. my dog. <laughs> <laughs> great guy. Great guy. So he was the main producer of the show? Uh, yeah. I mean, we had a few a few producers. Ian Ian was kind of my – it was our go-to guy. He was the, he was the EP. Dang. Nice. I saw uh, – I think you posted a picture. He was in the background. It's like, this must be his man right Yeah. Here. <laughs> it was a fun – dude, we had a great time. Like the – I think just the family that we had amongst everyone on audio, everyone behind the camera, our director, Zach Merck, was an amazing – director it was always good vibes like yeah. always good vibes like we wake up and be like all right christmas day baby let's go like <laughs> there was a there was some love connections on the show yeah um you were one of the first ones to go on a date with isha is that her name yeah i don't me and isha never went on a date though. are you she went to take you to get clothes she took me to get clothes it's kind of a date man i don't know i think me so i think from the get-go me and isha really vibed because like you know i appreciated her creative mm-hmm. look, outlook on life and 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm big into clothes. I, love, I like clothes. So like me and her just like, you know, we're all genuinely interested in each other, but me and her just hit it off. Like I was like, all right, you know, me and her definitely vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, never romantically, never, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was like, you know, a sweet girl, you know, feeling, feeling her out. And I was like, nah, I mean, just would much rather be friends with her respect, sure. respectfully, you know? So, um, I think a lot of people watching at home, they wanted a lot of relationships to happen, but True. People, people need to realize like, we literally just met. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing these scenes of us like going to get clothes and stuff like that for my interview. And we've only known each other for maybe less than two weeks at that point. <laughs> so like, you know, give me some time. Yeah, you know, yeah, let, yeah. let me, you know, I like to, I like to, you know, test the waters before I dive in. For you know? sure. Well, that was going to be leading to my next question was, did you have any other like romantic connections? Did you possibly meet a girl there anything like that yeah i went on a few dates uh off camera while i was while i was in austin nice um you know and just me being me it was kind of a weird dynamic being like hey yeah i'm actually in austin filming a reality tv show <laughs> some girls were like i'm out i'm out <laughs> like peace like yeah I, like i'm telling you and it was it was definitely difficult so i think i realized after like my third date that I was there that I was like, it's going to be difficult to date while mm-hmm. I'm filming the show. Um, and I think a lot of feedback I get on social media today is, you know, girls are asking, they're like, are you single? I'm like, yes, I'm single. Well, why aren't you dating anyone? I was like, cause I'm in a very weird season of life right now where I don't think, I don't think you want to date me right now. Like I'm, I don't know where I'm going to be in a month. You know, I'm, I'm looking for a job right now. I currently live with my dad, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, once I get a job, once I get a place set up and I have like some, you know, firm ground under my feet, then, you know, I'm going to, you know, get back into romantically pursuing somebody. So, you know, I'm just in that season of life where I mean, I'm, the DMs got to be this, going crazy. <laughs> the DMs are wild. <laughs> I'll tell you that the DMs are wild. It is, uh, sometimes I think Adam and I were together two week, two weekends ago in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, he flew in from Dallas and. We hung out all weekend and we were just like with each other on our phones. We're like, uh, he handed me his phone. I handed him my phone and we're just going through each other's deep, direct messages. That they're hilarious. Like man, girls bet. are really out there shooting their shots. Like, <laughs> I bet, man. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, that actually is another uh, like of your character, bro. Cause like a lot of guys would be using a lot of these girls, right? A lot of yeah. these DMs for like whatever they wanted. But like you said, man, you're like, Hey, I'm going to take my time. I'm yeah. going to get myself grounded, like find my, get my feet underneath me and then pursue some relationships where I think like in the culture of, you know, guys, that's pretty unique. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it comes down to like, what would my mama want me to do? There you go. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I got an older sister and, and I've, I've learned a lot through my brother and my sister and my, and my parents, obviously. So, uh, another one comes from like, I, I've been in two amazing relationships so I would say I've, I've experienced a lot through those two relationships and I, I, I would say I kind of know what I'm looking for. There you go. Um, so when it comes to pursuing a woman, I want to make sure that I'm in the right headspace mm-hmm. and my heart's in the right place before I um, you know, commit to taking someone's time and investing my time to them. And I want to make sure I'm in a good, like I said, headspace and just a good situation in life before I really do that. For sure. And I think... Uh... Man, that, I kind of realized that in my life when I went through a long relationship. Yeah. And when we broke up, I remember being like, you know what? The next time I date a girl, like I wanted to be like possibly my forever, right? Like, and it ended up being. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> look, come on. With, uh, all right, my boy Michael. <laughs> let me, let me, 
Let me tell you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. The man is funny, dude. He on is... camera, he's funny. <laughs> His stand-up is. He, listen, I give him a ton of credit because stand-up is hard. Yeah. <laughs> My man has some bombs on the show. Is how's he? How does he feel about that? I, I saw he recently post like. All the people hating on me for my stand up, like it's gonna make me keep going or something. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. have you seen him do a stand up in I, person? No, I never got to see him do one. Uh, I wish I had. I never had the opportunity to go see him live. You know, obviously I follow him on TikTok, social media, we text and Snapchat. And dude, he's funny. People who I think he first rubs some people the wrong way. I think people are like, ooh, he's like cringy, like cringy <laughs> funny. But then he really, you know, his relationship with Isha really develops. And you get to see, like, he's a great guy. He, and is. he is. He is hilarious. That's what people, I think, come to realize. is like, he, what I love about Michael is, like, you know, he he's quirky. Obviously, I think that's safe to be said. I, yeah. love, I love you, Michael. Um, he's but hilarious. what makes him amazing is that he just fully embraces it. He's like, this is who I am. Yeah. I own six shirts. You know, they're all freaking dope and they're hilarious. I think one of them has his face on it. I think he has another shirt with his dad's face on it. But it's like, if you know Michael, that's 100% him. He's not a materialistic guy. He's a minimalist. Um, He's a very caring guy. Mm -hmm. But dude, he is hilarious. Like the conversations that we would have, the jokes he would run by us. I mean, I'm kind of mad I didn't get to see him perform live, but I'm sure I will. He uh he's relatively new to the stand up comedy. Dude, scene I think he, he was well. three months in. Yeah. Um so I've he, had some comedians on. Like they they will say, you need to do it for like ten years. Hundred percent. Until you're good. Like most people pursue <laughs> it as a side gig. And bombing <laughs> has to be tough. Yeah, I mean, imagine going up on stage, you know, I mean, just from one human being to another. Imagine just going up there, you're fully exposing yourself to an audience. And that takes some balls. Yeah. Like whether you're a man or a woman, like, yo. I personally, I don't have the courage to go up there and be like, all right, this is either going to flop or hit. And the odds of it flopping are probably a little bit higher mm-hmm. than the odds of it, you know, being Especially successful. early on, man. Exactly. And having the resilience to go back up. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. He, he's got some tenacity. Like he, I, you know, we, we, every night he'd be at open mics. I'd be like, yo, Michael, where you at? Let's go grab dinner. He's like, oh man, I'm going to open mic. I'm like, shoot, this guy's like chasing his Damn, dreams. So he did it a lot. A lot. You didn't see that all too much on the show how much he was going he was going i would say i would say safe to say five nights a week damn if that's not awesome more, if yeah. not more every night he was gone and, and that's, that's what he was doing um one thing we said me and my fiance we were like if michael was i felt like when he would get on stage maybe he would like change his delivery because he was so funny in conversation yeah um but then when he got on stage i mean he was probably like a little nervous right i mean three months in is like absurd to think about 100 percent, and uh Dude, and he ends up with Isha. Yeah, dude, they are a beautiful couple. Yeah, man. I was yeah. like, Mike, lock it up, bro. <laughs> Don't drive back to LA. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you talk about like, and I mean this respectfully, opposites attracting. Yeah. It's like Isha and Michael. Like they are they are funny together. We, uh, you know, we we all got to, most of us got together for New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. We had a couple people who already had plans. They couldn't meet up with us all, but I got to see Michael and Isha on New Year's Eve or New Year's Eve weekend for the first time since you know they started dating. And they really do have a beautiful dynamic. Um, so I, you know, I, I pray for them and that they have a long-lasting relationship. But they are both together. I mean, they really complement each other like very well. For sure. And I think you saw that throughout the show. Like as a viewer, yeah, you saw them like grow in their relationship and to connect. I just remember when he was about to drive away the last episode. I'm like, 
what are you doing, man? <laughs> Come home, bro. <laughs> but of course, he came back in and they drove to LA together. Yeah, that's awesome. That's um, awesome. Was there any funny stories that we didn't see on camera that oh, uh, that you can that you can share? Yeah, I should have made a list. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so I guess I can talk about like Adam. Um, me and Adam like met off camera really? down downtown Austin. Um, it was crazy. So I was actually I, I was in Austin. Um, they were filming the last episode. I was in Austin. And I had actually had this weekend planned to go visit, you know, awesome visit, see some friends. And um, there was a girl I was seeing at the time who she flew in with me and we were both downtown Austin and Kamari actually hit my line. He was like, yo, bro, I heard you're in town. I was like, yeah, man, Um, I'm actually, you know, at this bar on West 6. What are you doing? He goes, yo, I'm on West 6 right now, too, with Adam, the guy that replaced you. (laughs) do you want to come slide through say what's up i was like yo let's go so i got the girl i was with i was like hey yo we're about to go meet the guy who replaced me on the show and she was all giddy she was like let's go i was like bet so i roll over to the bar and i see kamari and i've yet to see what adam looks like i don't know who he is i've never talked to him in my life and then kamari's like yo i need you to introduce you to adam and all of a sudden this guy walks up and he is you know a much taller and much better looking human than I am. He's got this long hair and we both just like dapped each other up. We're like, yo, what's up? <laughs> and there were no cameras and me and him just had like a genuine like bro moment. It's like, yo bro, how's my bed been? Like, yeah. you've been, I didn't, you, are you sleeping in my bed? And um, so it was cool. Like me and him kicked it off that night. We met and then got to spend some time the next couple of days together. And uh, me and him, we stay in contact pretty often because it's like, I would just say we're like the same person. It's kind of crazy. Well, the thing is, Netflix, again, did a good job like bringing... I mean, that must be hard, right? Y'all have a dynamic in the yeah. house. You... Actually, we haven't even talked about it, but you decided to leave. Yeah. You get a job offer. But, you know, I think, again, back to your character, you pick family, you pick, you know, your community, and you move back to Greenville. Yes. And then they bring in this guy, and that could be... I mean, he's coming into a household. That's gonna be a hard situation, yeah. and he kind of fits in seamlessly. Yeah, he did. A, he did a really great job, and kudos to him, and um, kudos to everybody else for just having open arms and showing him love. Because I mean, I can only imagine that'd be a difficult, difficult move. Sure. Is going into a house with an already established, you know, morale, and um, you know, he did a great job, just like catering to everybody and loving everybody, and the house just, you know, with open arms, fully accepted him. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, like it was tough to watch for my from being you know like, being man. at home. I'm like a little bit of FOMO. I'm a big FOMO guy, so uh, had a little bit of fear of missing out. But uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. How hard was the decision for you to leave? Very difficult. Um, I mean, you have to weigh a lot of options. And for me, it was like, all right, I don't know if I want to be one time zone away, 16 hours away from my family. Um, completely disband all my connections and family that I have in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to remember, I was born and raised in Greenville. I lived in Atlanta for a short time. I went to Clemson University. So all my friends and connections are all throughout the Southeast, in between Atlanta, Greenville, even some Charlotte. So living in Greenville is a great place for me because, like I said, I've got I've got family here. I've got, you know, years of connections yeah. that I would essentially be abandoning almost if I picked up my life and moved to Austin. Um, but then also it's just, you know, I love my family too much to, to leave them. And I think a lot of that comes from, I lost my grandfather a few years ago, who was like my best friend. Um, 
And ever since his his passing, um, I've had this outlook is like, all right, I don't have that much time left with my family. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, my dad's 65. And, you know, who knows For sure. when my dad's going to pass. You know, I hope, he's, I hope he lives till he's 100. I've got a grandmother who turns 95 this month. So I think, you know, good, <laughs> you know, long lasting lives runs in my family. Knock on wood. Um, so ever since my grandfather's passing a few years ago, I've had this outlook. It's, just, it's like, yeah, my dad may have 30 years left on this earth, mm-hmm. but how many more times am I going to be able to see him? You That's know, a big thing. There's a, people don't realize that. It's like, all right, yeah, you're, you're gonna, your dad's got you know this much time left, but you know in reality, are you going to only see him 20 more times? Mm-hmm. It's a very deep thought tunnel that my mind's gone down because – you know, I only knew my grandfather for 21 years and I really wish I had 21 more years to get to know him and have those mature adult conversations with him. Cause I felt like he had a ton of wisdom that like a USB drive could have uploaded to me mm-hmm. and given me a lot of advice and, you know, just love, but it's like, I don't want to abandon my family and be 16 hours away. Um, and if I, if I did decide to move away from home, I would move to Charlotte or Atlanta somewhere where I can drive home within a couple hours if something were to go wrong or um, maybe my, my mom or dad would need me for something. I can you know drop everything I need and, and, and get on and get home. And I think that's what, what it comes down to is like I do value my family more than um, my personal, I wouldn't say my personal goals, but it's just not, the trade-off isn't worth it. Moving across the country isn't worth not seeing my family that mm-hmm. much. Dude, it's, uh, you got to have your priorities, right? Yeah. And for you, family, 100%. it's up there, community. And I had very similar thoughts. I lived up in New York City for a while. And I just remember being like, man, like I talk to my parents, but I don't see them. How many more times can I go play golf with my dad on Sunday? You know, like those types of experiences. You're like, man, I got to go back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. Like I was only on, I was only in Austin for almost, I was in there for almost two months. Um, and it was two of the best months of my life. Yeah. You know, and it was a, it was a beautiful chapter that I worked and interviewed very hard for to get there. But when, you know, the opportunity presented itself to, you know, take a job and, and move there permanently, I was like, wow, this is a big decision. Mm -hmm. And it came down to the job offer and you're like, you know what? Not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it. And that's with the utmost respect to the Round Rock Express and the general manager over there that I interviewed with, um, you know. It's just, it, it wasn't really that. It was just all in all, it's like, I don't think I can make the move and be happy with that mm-hmm. decision. Which um, you got to take a lot of credit for that because you prioritized some things I think people might push away. Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of people like, man, you got to start prioritizing happiness, right? Maybe it's not your, that salary. Maybe it's not that position. Maybe it's not that car. Yeah. Like you got to figure out what makes you happy and put that at the top of your priority list and you're going to end up living a happier life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so through 20-somethings, like you said, man, it was an amazing opportunity, right? Oh, yeah. And now you are, who you know, you're here today, right? How are you going to capitalize? Do you have plans to capitalize on, like you said, this so-called fame, right? Your yeah. followers, like that sort of stuff. It's definitely stressful. Um, <laughs> you know, I think for me, I want to I wanna stay true to myself. I don't want to let it go to my head. Um, I read, I read, I read about a book a week. It's crazy. I love reading people. Don't people, Oh, you don't read. 
Gabby, I love reading. <laughs> I love reading. I read crazy books. Um, so I just have this, just this mindset of like, I don't want this to change who I am. I'm going to keep being me. Um, you know, I don't care what kind of, I, I do care, but I don't care what kind of opportunities come my way. I'm not going to let them change who I am. You know, and I mean that, you know, respectfully, I mean that honestly, like, I feel like it's so easy to let an opportunity like this go to your head because it is such a surreal opportunity that not many people get a chance at, you know, mm-hmm. We are, if you include Adam, you know, we're one of, I'm one of nine people who got the opportunity to be on the inaugural season of a new Netflix reality TV show that I pray gets more seasons, whether I'm on them or not, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's an amazing opportunity. And I just want to be myself. I want to portray myself on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Facebook as who I am in real life. So like when you meet me in real life, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Um, I don't want to put on a show for anybody. I'm not trying to you know, use my platform to do anything that I wouldn't want to do in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I think for me, it's like, you know, I want to be a light to others. I think on the show, you, you really get to see what kind of guy I am. You know, I'm mm-hmm. an all accepting individual. I've got a ton of, I've got a very diverse friend group. Like I mentioned, I grew up doing theater and playing baseball. So I've been able to, to see through a lot of different lenses in my life. I understand a lot of hardships that some people face. I understand the ups and the downs of life. And um, I feel like I, I like to take the best out of every situation mm-hmm. and, and run with it. So I just want to be, I want to be me. I want to love my family. You know, I want to, I want to get a job. Currently I'm like, yo, I want to get a job. Like yeah. I quit my insurance job recently because like you said, I wanted to prioritize my happiness and, you know, sitting at a nine to five desk job selling insurance wasn't wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, what, you know, what did I graduate college to do? And that was to pursue a job in professional sports. So right now I'm living out of my savings, looking for a job in professional sports yeah. because that's genuinely what I want to do. Cause I know that's going to bear fruit for me in the future. And I just want to be Bruce. You know, I just, just want to be me. I want to show, show the world love and, you know, make genuine connections everywhere I go. Um, but when it comes to like capitalization, um, you know, I've, I haven't really thought about that. You know, I started selling some Let's Go merch. Um, I made a limited release of some Let's Go t-shirts that I'm looking to get shipped out within the next week and a half or so. Um, it was a pre-order. So we had a set number of orders and <laughs> they did pretty well. I'm excited to say that. So maybe within the next month or two, I do another, yeah. uh, do another release of some merch. But I really want to just encourage people to live like a Let's Go lifestyle. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, I know, I know you say it a lot. I go, yeah, it's more than a slogan. Like it's, it's a lifestyle. And it was really my new year's resolution, um, back in 2021. It was like, you know, I'm tired of saying no to all these opportunities because 2020 was such a stop sign for a lot of people. And instead of saying no, I started saying, let's go to a lot of opportunities. I went to like 70 something concerts last year because I had friends <laughs> who'd be like, yo, we're going, we're driving on to Columbia to go see this band. You want to go? I'm like, shoot, I have work in the morning at nine, but sure, let's go. And I'm like, go. And it was like 2022 bared a lot, or 2021 bared a lot of fruit for me. I said yes to a Netflix opportunity, um, which in turn has kind of changed my life in the last month mm-hmm. and a half. You know, the, the amount of positive feedback I've received on social media has been amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy to get the direct messages of people who, um, whose lives I've touched, which for me, it's like, it's crazy because I'm mm-hmm. just being me. Yeah. Um, you know, it gave me a platform to really show my love for other people. And I'm extremely thankful for Netflix and the Netflix family for allowing me that opportunity. And um, we'll just see 
where I can go from here. But. You you did an amazing job, like showing your authentic self. Thank you. Um, here today, the same person I saw, <laughs> really on the Netflix yeah. show, man. And that is unique. I really Thank think you. like you got to realize how unique that is for you to be able to do that, right? And still Thank to you. that day, like asking that question, people are like, oh man, I'm gonna, I don't know, like figure out ways to make money through Instagram. But like, hey, first off, I want to be myself. Yeah. Right. And that's, if I'm myself, then, then I'm going to figure out, then life will continue to work in the right direction. Yeah. Come on. Do you have, uh, you mentioned the braids. Is that kind of, you know, what you're looking to do? Is that an organization you want to get back into? Oh yeah. Like if they, look, come on, braids. <laughs> come on, braids. If you're listening, you know, get me back. If I, uh, I mean, you know, like I said, I have a beautiful community down in Atlanta. Um, I'm there pretty often and I could definitely see my, I feel like I have some unfinished business, you know, working in professional sports, the Braves specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I mean, I feel like if you're, if your job gets cut short because of a global pandemic, you, and you want to get back and get back there, you know, can, can pick up where you left off. And I think that's the mentality I have right now is like, Hey, you know, two years ago I lost my job and I really want to see what that looks like, mm-hmm. whether it's the same position or a different position, you know, I want to be a part of a team. Um, I want to be a part of an organization and something that just makes me happy. And I feel like working for a professional sports team where it's a, it's a, it's a consumer focused business. I mean, you're you're looking at fans, you know, everything that involves a professional sports team, it's all fan driven. So I want to be a part of creating experiences for people. Um, because I think when you look back on life, it's like, Hey, you know, you don't take your money with you when you die, but what kind of experiences (laughs) did you have? You know, I want to like, you know, I want to play a part and, you know, being a part of people's experiences, whether it's you're taking your kid to his first baseball game or you're, you have a wedding at a venue that, you know, I helped do yeah, something man. with, I don't know. Like, you know, experiences are so valuable. hundred um, percent. They're the most valuable thing I think to me. And like you said, man, these is like shape the people, like the lives of people, man, their yeah. wedding, their first baseball game they they fall in love with this. You know what I mean? Like that's something you can be a part of. Come on. And, uh, Again, man, Bruce, I think we're wrapping up. Is there anything else you... Are we done want? for real? Yeah. What? what? Let, we can keep going. Oh, yeah, let's keep going, bro. What are you talking about? Let's keep talking. What you mean? What you want to talk about? I don't know, dude. I, right. I feel like we can keep going. All right, I do have some more questions. You're very fit. You're active. You stay in the gym a lot. Yeah. What's your nutrition like? What's your you know, exercise routine like? Yeah, this is actually a really good uh, segue. I, so I, I live a very healthy lifestyle and that's not a choice. Um, so I have epilepsy, okay. so I, have, I have seizures. Um, I take medication every morning, every night before I go to bed. Um, but when I was in eighth grade, I had a really bad concussion. Um, I did not get it treated, totally neglected the fact that I had a concussion. Um, and about a year later I had a seizure on a family vacation and, um, turns out that yo, I've got to take medication every morning and every night for the rest of my life. And a lot of the things that I have to prioritize are my hydration, my sleep, um, not the amount of processed sugars I put in my body. So I live a very active and healthy lifestyle because I was kind of forced to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I live with epilepsy. I've been learning to live with it for... What is epilepsy? So epilepsy, I don't know like the actual term, but uh, you know, some people were born with it. For me, I had a concussion. I had a traumatic brain injury that was untreated. Um, so I can seize up and lose consciousness. And So is, that, is it uh, like you have seizures or yes. is it like, okay. Yes, so you have seizures. Um, so I had my first seizure when I was in eighth grade. 
um, up until about a year up until then, I I'd been having auras in my eye, which I would lose. I would lose vision in my right eye, and I would just see this like array of colors, almost like a Dang. pulsing light. And then I would just get really exhausted afterwards, and I would go to sleep for like five or six hours. And I had my first noted, um, you know, like physical seizure on a family vacation. Um, and that was the first time my family and friends had ever seen or heard of me having a seizure. Mm -hmm. Um, but turns out it was from a a fall that I'd taken while I was playing on a zip line with my buddies. Um, about a year prior, I'd fallen off the zip line and got knocked unconscious and came to and kind of went on about my day. Didn't, you know, I'm in seventh or eighth grade at the Mm -hmm. time and I didn't really think about, you know, the, the long-term effects. Dude, I mean, at that age, you have no, even like back then, that was probably, shoot 10 years ago or yeah. so like traumatic brain injuries were not talked about nearly as yeah. much like no. repetitive trauma that sort of stuff 100 percent. so since then i mean it definitely i couldn't play football in high school i couldn't play contact sports I, that's one of the reasons i stuck with baseball um but i learned to live a really healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. and it was you know eating eating right eating a lot of greens um not eating or consuming a lot of processed sugars so i don't drink soda um, I still love to splurge on like ice cream and stuff. That's not my favorite <laughs> food, but it all comes to down to balance. So like every morning when I wake up, I have a really big breakfast. I eat a bowl of spinach every morning when I wake up. Um, but then when I got into college, you know, it's like, all right, I'm not playing organized sports anymore. What I need to do. And I'm like, I need to get into the weight room. And it's yeah. a great place to find community. Great place for like me and the boys to go hang out, talk about whatever we want to talk about, <laughs> school, girls, whatever. And so uh, I really fell in love with working out and, now I'm, you know, in my mid twenties and, um, I love, you know, doing hit workouts. So something that tests my endurance and my physical strength. So it's mm-hmm. running on a treadmill, getting on a rower, doing a, doing a, a mat station at the gym with dumbbells and kettlebells. And I really love doing it because I'm investing in myself, but also I know I'm taking care of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I would have that outlook on fitness and health that I do if it wasn't for the traumatic brain injury I had as a child. You know, so that's really why I live the way I do in terms of working out and eating healthy. Yeah, man, we're gonna have to uh, work out together. Let's do it. I love working out. I love hit workouts. Um, I love sweating for my mental health. I mean, people will tell you, like people that know me, I'm my best when I like work my butt off. Come on, sweat as hard <laughs> as I can sweat, run as hard as I can run, because it's so good for you. Like I tell people, looking good is a byproduct. Yeah, right. Like the mental clarity and like your organs operating properly, your uh, microbiome processing properly, all that kind of stuff is what's most important. Yeah. And that's what I do. It's like the stress. Like if I'm having a stressful week, that's all cured if I go to the gym, Mm -hmm. which I think people who struggle with that, I mean, I I definitely in my life, I've struggled with stress and anxiety, especially in 2020 during the pandemic. It's like, my one piece of advice that I give to anybody who's having a bad day, I'm like, have you worked out? Like, go to the gym, go work out, listen to some music that makes you happy. Do do things for you and vet, love yourself. Invest some time into yourself. And for me, that's waking up early, journaling, reading a little bit, and then going to the gym. That's how I start my day every day. <clears throat> what's uh What's a book you would recommend? Oh, Green Lights. I think that's a huge Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, all right, <laughs> that's a that's a life changing book for me. I think if you're um, if you haven't read it yet, I think you're wasting time because everybody I know who's read Green Lights, they're like, dang, I really wish I had read dang. that 10 years ago. 
because it really puts your own life in perspective. And it's like, am I really pursuing what I want to pursue? Mm-hmm. Am I prioritizing myself? Am I doing what makes me happy? Because, you know, McConaughey is just, I mean, dude's a legend. legend. You know, I mean, I don't really know if there's a, another <laughs> way to say it. But uh, definitely, he, he just uses that book as a medium to share his life stories, but while also inspiring you to mm-hmm. make sure you're living your life to your fullest, to its fullest. What um, what were your uh, siblings' response to the show? Oh Lord, they make fun of you at all. <laughs> I feel like that's a that's like a mixed emotion. So it's crazy. My brother, <laughs> he was out of town the whole time. He so he works on a boat, um, and so he was on like a a boat for like four months or something. So <laughs> in between the time I left for the show and came back, he was still on a boat. So he really didn't care. I mean, I'm sure he's very supportive and he's excited to see you know you know how how my life's changed and the fruit that that opportunity mm-hmm. has to bear. I think my sister was a little hesitant because I think you only hear the nightmares that sure. happen on like, you know, reality TV shows. So I think they were very supportive, very loving. At the same time, it's like, hey, keep your guard up. Yeah. Like, don't don't let anything bad happen. And, you know, fortunately, I never had to keep my guard up. You know, I was there and we had an amazing production crew and they were just like, hey, yeah, we're excited you're here. Like, let's just film, film yeah. some stuff, have, have a good time. And that was the whole outlook the whole time we were filming. So. Um, and I had to give them reassurance. They would call and check in like, how are you? I'm like, doing good. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm great. Like I'm loving life. This is amazing. So it's, uh, it's cool because people, people often wonder they're like, Hey, was it really like that on the show? Mm-hmm. Like, were you really that happy? I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I was, Oh yeah. Every day. Like I'm hopping out of bed at 7am and me and Kamari are going to the gym and eating breakfast. And then how's Kamari doing? He's doing good, man. Dude, he's still modeling. I mean, dude, he's a handsome guy. So he <laughs> he's up in North Carolina right now. I don't know what his plans are for moving wise, but um, yeah, he's doing great. He's doing well. But uh, back to our boy Kiki. Yeah. He, uh, he had his first kiss. First kiss. On the show. Big time. Breaking breaking through boundaries, man. Dude, crazy. Um, how's he doing? He's doing good, man. I think he's uh I'm really proud of him, man, because it's it's crazy that he just went balls to the wall and just pursued his authentic self on reality TV. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes. And I know he's probably touched and he's still yet to touch for the people who haven't seen the show. Tons of lives of um, both young men and women who mm-hmm. are trying to, you know, discover themselves. So I think he has a, a beautiful message. He has an amazing energy. Yeah. Too, man. <laughs> He's always smiling, man. Smiling like, ear always, to ear. Always. But it's cool seeing him now because it's like when I met Kiki, you know, I didn't know he was gay when I first met him. And then now, like, I see his instagram stories and i'm like calm like what are you doing he's like oh man i'm, I'm at the nail salon getting my nails done. <laughs> and i'm just like it's awesome like i think it's, it's crazy because less than six months ago you know he he hadn't i guess he hadn't told anybody and it's just really cool to see him living this free lifestyle that i thought like he was in a box for a while so i'm excited mm-hmm. for him that is unique man and the fact that i'm not just going to come out he's going to come out and do it for everybody yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, this guy, this guy's got some balls. Come on. Proud of you, Kiki. That's my dog. But what I was uh, also proud of you, man, coming, because like people can have a stigma of people coming from the South. Oh, yeah. Coming from South Carolina. You know, this white boy that played baseball. You yeah. know what I mean? And the connection you showed with those people, like really represented, I think, like 
a majority of the people in the South. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was that something you ever thought about going into the show? No, I didn't really, I didn't really think about what I was going to be representing mm-hmm. until I think I was probably like done filming. Cause I didn't, <laughs> I just like, I'm just going to be me. Like that was my, I was so focused on like, all right, I want to go into this show and I want to be me. I don't want to change for anybody. I'm not going to change for the camera. I want my friends and family back home to watch me on the show and be like, that's the Bruce I know. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad he's doing that. And like, that's the best compliments that I've received or like from my close friends and family is like, Hey, we love you because you were yourself. And that, that, that hits me hard. Like I think the first couple of times I got that compliment after the show came out, like I teared up because I'm just so thankful that I was received in an authentic way and that I wasn't someone I'm not. That's the best compliment, man. Yeah. Without a doubt. It really is. Um, going into the show, right? Yeah. I see the scar on your head. And yeah. me and my fiance were like, dude, I wonder how he got that like <laughs> scar. How did you get that scar? Yeah, dude. Uh, so I had surgery um, when I was, I think, like 10 years old. I'm an accident prone kid. Like, if you haven't noticed from this, from this art, what we're talking about, like, I just feel like I've always had injuries happening to me. Um, but I had, like, I think it was like a benign growth in my head that they watched for years. Like, I think they discovered it when I was like two or three. Um, and there was no need to get it removed. And then by the time I was 10, they were like, all right, we're going to get it removed just in case it decides to grow. Mm-hmm. When you hit puberty, we're going to go ahead and take it out. Um, so it was removed when I was about 10 years old. Um, and fortunately, you know, there's no, nothing that's come yeah, up. Yeah, it's not cancerous. Or not, not cancerous, nothing. So I had this really sick lightning bolt on the side of my yeah, head. Man. But I had long hair my whole life. I saw back, I went back and looked at your high school yeah. picture. You had the flow going. Dude, so like <laughs> I had the scar when I was 10, you know, and then I had long hair my entire life. And, you know, people were always like, yeah, man, like, why don't you get your hair cut? And I'm just like, ah, oh, I like my hair long, man. Like, you know, I just, ah. and so when I got my job working for the Braves, um, I wanted to get my hair cut right before my first day. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was cutting my hair, um, he sat me down. He goes, all right, what are we doing to your hair today, man? I was like, I just want to get it trimmed up. And I had like, I didn't have long hair at the time. I just had like some fluff. Like it's a little bit of hair that would come out the back of a baseball cap yeah. if I had a hat on. I said, but I got this scar on the side of my head. I really don't want to get a fade or cut it too short because I don't like people seeing that scar. And he looked at me. He goes, first off, don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> I said, whoa, whoa. He caught me off guard. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I've got a free 30 minutes after this session with you. Maybe we can just do my free 30 minutes right now. You can think about what you want to do to your hair. And then uh, we can get back to it in 30 minutes. So I said, word. So I sat down, got to know the guy, had a beer with him. And then I was like, all right, let's go. Give me a drop fade, baby. And uh, <laughs> dude proceeded to give me a drop fade. I've never had my hair cut that short. And everybody from like my closest friends, like from college, they see me and they're like, yo, bro, what happened to your head? <laughs> and I'm like, you mean, you mean my scar? They're like, yeah, dude, like, are you okay? I'm like, dude, I've had this scar for most of my life. 15 years yeah, now. Yeah, about 15 years now. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, just, I've always had long hair. So people, a lot of people see me who haven't seen me in a couple of years and they're like, oh my God, like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm perfectly fine. Like, yeah, yeah just, I finally decided to embrace it. And I think it's one of the best decisions I made because I'm not like hiding anything. Yeah, you know? that's who you are. I'm not making sure my hair is covering it up. I'm just fully embracing it. And I think the love that I've received from it's been amazing because a lot of people are, are genuinely interested. And yeah, man. 
I mean, yeah, totally unconnected to the epilepsy, too. Completely. That's what I was things. wondering. I thought it might have a connection to that. Yeah, so completely unrelated to the epilepsy. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a cool little signature, I guess. What has the uh, the love been like from Greenville community? Like, have you been recognized more when you go around town? Has that been a thing you deal with or handle or yeah, see I more mean, of? So it's it's cool because you get received differently in, no matter like where you go. So like in Austin for New Year's Eve. You know, we were just a bunch of people buying me drinks. I was getting free. I literally didn't buy a drink at all on New Year's Eve weekend because I had guys and girls being like, oh my God, come take a shot with us. Like, here, bro, I got your next round of drinks. I'm like, sweet. I love this. This is great. But <laughs> Greenville, Greenville's amazing because I think, you know, Greenville, I would say it's a, it's a growing city. It's still mm-hmm. relatively small and it's a, it's a tight community. It's a, it is. a beautifully tight community. And I think I get, like what you said earlier, people are very just appreciative and thankful that I represented, you know, the city well and just the southeast in general which like i said i had no idea i did that until i got the first compliment from somebody that's even better yeah that you did like you didn't have that's just who you are yeah so it's it's amazing because i I love those compliments i'll take i'll take that compliment over a free drink any day um (laughs) it's like you know or people are just really thankful that i was able to just like show love and like be break that stereotype Mm -hmm. that I, i didn't I didn't fit into that box as that, you know, Southern straight male from South Carolina, but I was able to showcase, you know, everything that I've learned throughout life up until that point, Mm -hmm. you know, just how to love each other, no matter your differences. Exactly right. I'm very thankful for that. It's, uh, I mean, as a community, like being from Greenville, like we, we love the, we love the community. We love the people in the community. And so that's when I remember being like, oh man, I hope he represents us well. And then, you know, you did, honestly, I mean, like I said earlier, like you did an amazing job um, because like we do, like, like you said, that white straight male from South Carolina can have a lot of, you know, if you're not from here, if you don't know the people from here, you yeah. know, you can have, you know, in the, you know, certain thoughts about what that person is going to be like. And you 100%. totally like went above and beyond and like shut a lot of that down. Come on, I appreciate it. Um, you mentioned ice cream earlier. <laughs> Dude. What's your favorite ice cream in South? Love in ice cream, man. Uh, I'm a big cookies and cream guy, like wherever I go. But people ask me that, like, if you go to a store and you get ice cream, what are you getting? And I'm so this sounds like a basic answer, but it's like I think it's a pretty smart answer. I'm a I'm a Neapolitan guy, okay? Because it's like, yo, I'm getting three different flavors in mm-hmm. one gallon. I'm like, yo, I'm getting strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. So. I'm just a big ice cream guy in general. I think I, I have ice cream probably five, five nights a week. Wow. Yeah. Like I, it's a big, it's my guilty pleasure. Like I'm like winding down and like some nights, even if I've already brushed my teeth, I'm like, screw it. I'm getting ice cream anyways. Like, <laughs> Have you had a uh, Claire's Creamery yet? No. Oh man. What is that? Write it down, bro. Claire's Creamery. Creamery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's an ice cream shop in uh, Greenville. It's um, up in Northeast or North. East North Street. I don't know. Over there. East North Street. East North Street. Gotcha. There you go. It's uh we love it. I play cool. soccer every Sunday and uh my fiance comes and watches and we always get it on the ride home. Dude. It is the bomb. Okay. I'm to check it out. I love I love new new spots, man. I'm a spill the beans guy. Do you I'm have a um I don't want to say favorite because we've gotten a lot of new restaurants in Greenville. Yeah. Is there a restaurant that you've enjoyed seeing or like uh one of your favorite ones in town? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got, I would say I've got two favorite restaurants. Okay, um, one of them is the Pita House. All right. You know, it's like a legendary restaurant in Greenville. 
Um, the other one is the 05, which is, you know, new right little bar like right here. But I always tell people, I'm like, yo, if you want the best dish in Greenville, go to the 05 and get the Brussels sprout salad wow. with grilled chicken. Um, you know, their staff is amazing. Their margaritas, crazy good. Like, that's why I went there first with the margaritas. I was like, wow, these are amazing. And then um, Robbie, one of the one of the waiters over there, he was like, yo, but have you tried the Brussels sprout salad? I go, ooh, that sounds nasty. He goes, nah, dude, you're gonna, you're about to get one. I said, okay. <laughs> so I ordered one and got it. And dude, I literally go there like once or twice a week with my dad or my fan or my friends. And I go there and I'm like, hey, if you haven't been here, get the Brussels sprout salad. Like huge advocate, healthy eat, <laughs> clean eat, grilled chicken, unreal. Never fails. Everyone's obsessed with it. So the 05 is, is the place to go for me. And I know they recently, not recently, a couple of years ago, I think they redid like their kitchen and yeah. their a menu and stuff. And since then it's been booming, top notch. Booming. Man. Every Friday they got live music. So it's just a good <laughs> spot, man. Like, you know, you just get like, it's a good place for the guys to go, guys and girls, whatever. You got sports games on the TV, live music, small, just little community inside that building. It's just really, really a dope spot. All right. Another random question. Not random. Where did yeah. you go to elementary school? I went to Sarah Collins Ooh, okay. Elementary. Right. Elementary. Yes. I mean, it was, it was wild going from Sarah Collins to Hughes. Hughes, yeah. Because that elementary school didn't necessarily feed it into did. that middle school. So like when I went to sixth grade in the middle school, I didn't have a lot of friends. No. And that was tough. Um, you know, I think middle school is the toughest place to make friends. But most of my friends ended up going from Sarah Collins to Beck Academy. Mm -hmm. And the few friends that I did have at Hughes, I only knew them through Greenville Little League, which was the Little yeah. League Baseball in Greenville. Um, so I knew a couple people and then just had to find out how to make friends, you know. And it's I think that's a tough thing to do. Mm -hmm. And definitely middle school. Middle school is difficult. I mean, boom. Yeah. And the reason I asked, too, because I went to Blythe. Okay. So I went to Blythe Hughes and Greenville High. Is there a, for, for a kid, right, going through those tough times in middle yeah. school, do you have a, any type of advice or things that you would say that you learned from going through that? Dude, yeah. I would just say, I mean, I, I would say this advice to like adults today. I would say don't, I wouldn't pursue people that don't want to pursue you. Um, and I, I mean that because I feel like, especially in middle school, you know, you might be a kid who maybe isn't the coolest kid. That was mm -hmm. me. I was tiny. I was a midget. And I mean that. Like, I was <laughs> itsy bitsy. I had a bowl cut. Like, I was, I look back at sixth grade Bruce, I would have made fun of me. Like, I just, I was like, wow, this kid is so easy to make fun of. Let's make fun of him. And that's, that's me talking about myself. So I, I feel like there were people that I tried to be friends with and like I wanted to be friends with and maybe I wasn't being fully accepted. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, like I had people who were wanting to pursue me, but I maybe wasn't giving them the time of the day or I wasn't fully accepting them. Yeah. But I would say like, you know, love and accept those who want to love and accept you. Don't, you know, force your hand on trying to become friends with somebody because of their status. Yeah, or like they're in the what, cool group. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. So like, because I think that's what I realized towards the end of middle school is like, you know, if someone's not giving me the time of day, I'm not going to give them the mm -hmm. time of day. You know, I'm going to surround myself with, with guys and girls who love me and support me. And I'm going to reflect that right back to them. Yeah. So I think that's a cool thing because I had my, like, I had my thespian community outside of school, which I loved, which I didn't have that at school. But, you know, I always had just friends that I could go to in that community. Um, 
And I think I, yeah, I mean, that's just what I wish I had done. And that's, that's the advice I would give. Excuse me. I stumbled on that, but that's the advice I would give is just pursue friends that want to pursue you. Almost like like-minded individuals. Yeah. People that you can tell care about you. Yeah. Cause you're going to share passions. Mm-hmm. You may not look the same, may not act the same, but like you're going to get along with each other and support each other so much better because you just share passions. Yeah. So what, um, so we're here now in January, 2022. Um, so we got the full year. Go Do you have any, uh, trips planned? Do you have anything you got on the horizon? Yeah. I mean, right now, obviously I'm trying to get a job, you know, that's, that's number one. I uh, haven't heard anything back about Netflix or anything. So me being who I am, you know, I'm not going to bank on the chance of there being a season two. Mm-hmm. If there, if there is one, that's great news. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I haven't heard any, any news on that at all. So for me, you know, just being raised the way I was, it's like, I got to have a nose of the grindstone mentality and get to work. You know, I want to get to work. I want to get back in professional sports. Uh, I've got a trip planned in February to go down to Hilton Head with some buddies. Nice. Um, you know, go you to a beach. golfer at all? Dude, I've never played golf. I played oh. Wii golf. That's it. But like, <laughs> never played golf. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Wii. <laughs> um, dude, I mean, Hilton Head's a big uh, golfing spot. Maybe, maybe that'll be my first dude, time. you got to try golf, man. I know. I, I, everyone... I feel like I have this conversation every three months with somebody random and they're like, yeah, do you play golf? And I'm like, no. Nah. And immediately I become the un- most uncool person they've ever met. No, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in uh, the era of Tiger Woods' first. Yo. So I was like nine in, in 1997 when he won the Masters. Yeah. And then golf was like the coolest sport in the world. That's me. dope. And I never played golf or school or anything like that, okay. but I lived over off of Bird, which yeah. is near Riverside Country Club um, or Greenville Country Club. And we are never members, but I hopped that fence for <laughs> my whole life <laughs> learning yeah. to play golf Come over on. there. That's where I want, I want my dogs around Bird and up, up Riverside. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Um, well, dude, maybe I'll have to get you on the golf course. Dude. Bro, come on. I mean, bring a, bring, a, bring a can of golf balls or a bucket of golf balls. <laughs> dude, you'll be losing some for sure. <laughs> I'd be down. I'd be down. Well, man, um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Of you know, I know we've covered a lot. Covered and I just want to thank you so much for coming on, dude. Yeah, it's dude. been, like you said, man, you never would know. And I haven't met that, you know, through the podcast, I've met more people. And you get to see who they are off camera and on camera. And when they're the same, <laughs> it's uh, it's more unique than, yeah. or it's more, it's not as common as, as you would think. I appreciate and it. And for you, that's the way it was. So, Again, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. And shoot, I mean, if you ever want to run it back. We'll run it back. back. Let's run it back. We'll have to zoom in Kiki, well, man. Let's go. I mean, I'll get him to fly out here. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the dang thing, man. But no, today's been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. And um, baby, let's go. Let's I mean, go. Come on. <laughs> um, actually, where can people find you? What, like social media? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all my social medias are The Bruce is Loose. Loose is spelled with a Z. I don't know. Somebody took the S-E, so don't ask me why, but I think Z-E is more fun. So it's the Bruce is Loose. Um, you know, that's my business email. That's um, business inquiries. That's Instagram, Snapchat, Cameo, TikTok, Twitter, the Bruce is Loose. Or you can just look me up, Bruce Stevenson. Um, hopefully you find me, but yeah, boom, boom. Awesome, man. Thank you again. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, click subscribe on your listening platform for upcoming conversations.